What's up, simple passive cash flow listeners? Want to announce the first multi-day Hui Mastermind in Hawaii. We'll be holding it on my island of Oahu. That's where Honolulu is on President's Day, 2020, and that's February 14th to 17th. And a reminder: Valentine's Day is the 14th, but uh, we'll keep that evening free if uh, families and couples want to come on down for that. We're actually encouraging spouses and families to come down um, because that's part of the whole experience getting to know other families and um, getting to know other human members it's gonna be a big part of this um, so what to expect structured networking and masterminding with existing hui investors and other affluent investors um, we're going to create the time and the environment to build real relationships that you can take forward forever and uh, for you A students out there, we'll do even be doing a full day of networking and mastermind and education. So once again, bring your families. Uh, we're going to have optional excursions such as luau, happy hours, dinners, and some other activities um, to be able to have fun in the sun. And um, you know, space is extremely limited because my vision is to kind of create this as a more of an intimate environment where uh, we're all one big little mohana here. Um, so come and combine business and pleasure in a little tax write-off. Hopefully you can get that write-off in before the 2019 ends. Those signing up now will be able to get a free one-on-one strategy session that if you want to stick around till Tuesday, we can knock that out or if you're leaving early we can try and get that done throughout the weekend but um hope to see you out in hawaii go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash hui three and we'll see you guys here hey simple passive cash flow listeners today we have mr accredited investor lee here we're going to be going through his personal financial sheet and hopefully i would say a lot of you guys are in this situation just on the verge of being accredited so let me introduce the code name lee here how's it going good yeah so why don't you kind of give us the high level kind of where you're at with life and what you've done up to this point and a little bit of your day-to-day what you do for work and tell us a little bit about yourself okay i'm an engineer for general contractor in Hawaii and I've been doing it or been with them for about 20 years. I've been in the business about 35. So I started investing about five years ago. Started with gap funding for flipping houses here in Hawaii. And then I started going to the mainland because they had a little bit better profit. So you kind of came to this a little bit later. I mean, you are normal investing 401k stock market for a decade or two. What pushed you to look elsewhere? Well, I kind of started late in my retirement investment. So just looking at the time I wanted to retire and the amount of time I had now, I needed to accelerate my portfolio for my retirement. So I figured real estate investment might be a good good idea to meet my retirement goals. Yeah, being an engineer, you can kind of do the math. Math doesn't lie to what you end up with. Yeah, so that's what I did. I was coming up short, so I figured I needed to find another way other than stocks and 401k to meet my retirement goals. So you're mostly a passive investor doing 
lending, private money lending to a bunch of local flippers. What were some of the, the rates you were getting there and how did that go for you? The local vendors, I would say like 10, 15%. 15% would be kind of lucky. Yeah. Was that a long time ago though? Right now, like cap rates are getting compressed now. So everyone's starving for deals. That's still the going rate. Yeah. Uh, that was, I would say, about five years ago. So not that long, but it's getting harder. The margin is getting harder to get to 15%. 10% is kind of the norm. But even that, I, I think it's going even lower because of the profit ratio. So I went to the mainland. I went to this seminar and kind of bought in. And I did three deals. One, I made out maybe about 20, a little over 20% profit. The, another one, I just broke even. And the third one, I lost everything. What were you guys doing? What was the operation? It was flipping houses. Okay. Remote. Yeah, all, yeah, all over the U.S., different cities. I mean, I think you can make money doing it, but I mean, I live in Hawaii too. And I'm actually got three rehabs in the progress right now. And I know I'm getting gouged in price, but I have no leverage being remote. I mean, I know people get an inspector to inspect the work part way, but I don't know. I think it's just a single point of failure and you're going to get screwed at some point. Yeah, I, I noticed the key is you got to have a good contractor, a realtor, and like you say, an inspector. And some of these people that you deal with, you know, they, they were all part of a group, but you don't really know them and their experience. So if they don't have a good contractor, it's like the first time they ever worked with them and they don't know the history and background. Like one of my deals, the contractor actually was doing shoddy work. So we had to let him go. Me being a past investor, I didn't know who this contractor was or what its experience was. And fortunately, they found somebody else to finish up the job. And that's the one we broke even. We didn't, we didn't make anything, but we didn't lose anything. And I think one thing I noticed a lot of people just don't realize is flipping houses. If you're a private money lender, you have no upside. You're not an equity investor, just a debt investor. And even when you're doing your own burrs out of state, again, all these profits are all active income. And as I learned from very high net worth investors, the game is much a tax game as it is making money game. You know, you're not getting any of the depreciation there too. Yeah, that's correct. You're absolutely right. The profit I make, I have a C-Corp and yeah, they tax you off of that profit. And so there's not much tax relief on, on that. Yeah. I mean, whether you have an LLC or C-Corp, it all flows down to yourself. Or yeah. And then when you take it out to, for your personal, then you get taxed again. So it gets kind of a double tax. So which might be fine if you're a broke guy right? Making like 20, 40 grand a year, but you're not a broke guy. So I'm kind of digging into the personal financial sheet and you guys are looking on the YouTube channel. We have this displayed on the screen. So if you guys want to go over there and check that out, you know, a bunch of other coaching ones that we've done just like this, but I'm looking at sell G38. Your monthly salary is 9,000 bucks a month. That's pretty good in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Remember I took a, I took like a 30% pay cut when I went from Seattle to Hawaii. You did. Oh my I goodness. Know, I don't know if people survive out here, but so that every dollar that you make private money lending or flipping a house gets taxed at a pretty high rate. You know exactly what it is with like 20 to 30% there. So the way I break down this personal financial sheet, first thing I do is I look at this upper right-hand quadrant and I'm just kind of seeing where you are in terms of net worth. You're right under a million bucks. So that's good. And then I'm trying to look at your income and expenses. This is sort of your monthly cash flow. Right. And what I'm looking at is, you know, as much as I praise the, the higher salary there, you know, that doesn't matter because I talk to a lot of people that make 250 grand, 400 grand a year, yet they can barely save $10,000 a year, which is just like it boggles my mind. Yeah, it's a lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> San Franciscaners. <laughs> 
bunch of world changers up there. But anyway, it's this bottom left U53 cell, which is the net cash flow per month. So you're able to put away probably about what $30,000 a year. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So I would put you in like the top, maybe 80% of my podcast listeners. I mean, I think the top five, 10% are the guys able to save 50 grand a year, but mm -hmm. then, Hey, this is doable, right? I mean, at this rate, you're able to buy one turnkey rental a year with a $30,000 down payment. But your net worth is high enough where I wouldn't really suggest buying single family home. Like I tell a lot of people, you don't want to be like me and buy 11 turnkey rentals. You're just going to realize you're just going to create another job for yourself. Yeah, I don't want to deal with the management and the headache. Right. So you've got a lot of your assets are sort of tied up in equity in your home. So let's kind of dig into that. Currently, your home is appraised at 525. Got an okay balance of 385. Yeah, part of that was investing in these uh, flips. So I was using my HELOC. Oh, okay. So Fair. part of that is coming back once I flip is completed. And right now I was doing some private lending to one of the associates that I've been dealing with and she just needed kind of like a bridge loan. So it was about eight weeks. So it should be due in a couple of weeks. So that'll reduce that HELOC balance. So first question I was asked was like, are you going to live in this house for a long time? You Think? Is this kind of your forever home? Or? Yeah, I, I think so. If that's the case, you know, you have some nice equity here. Maybe you might want to think about getting a new uh, new 30-year loan, especially before you retire, right? I mean, I think once you get fully invested, I don't know why you're even working, to be honest. But before you even quit, make sure you, you get that 30-year mortgage so it's all fresh so you drain the equity out of it. Yeah, well, actually the mortgage is paid off so that the only mortgage per se is a HELOC. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, yeah. you need to go get a loan tomorrow. <laughs> no joke. I'm being very serious, actually. HELOCs are nice because it's not like you have to pay origination fees with that stuff. I tell people use it as a temporary, as you're trying to dabble in all these real estate investments and you're getting used to it. It's a great way to kind of dip your toe in the water. And I know in Hawaii, there's a lot of introductory HELOC teaser rates, which I have at raaloha.com slash HELOC, a little spreadsheet and cheat sheet for that. But you're somebody who's already kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and you get this stuff. I'd say it's time to go and get after the whole thing. Because the problem with the HELOCs is they only give you up to like, what, 80% of the value? Yeah, that's, that's so, right. So it's kind of like one of those Gatorade tickets where you're never getting at that bottom 20%. But it's uh, interest only versus a 30-year locked in with a principal and interest. So your monthly is higher than to get the HELOC, which is a lower interest only rate. And you yeah. can pay whatever you want on the principal. Yeah. If you're kind of just dabbling and you haven't bought into the whole alternative investing thing, I think it's a good idea. But the fact that you get at that extra 20%, and I know what these banks do this like rich and bay thing where they sort of downgrade the appraisal value of your house so that it de-risks their side of the investment. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, those tricky suckers, those guys. <laughs> so really, there's probably about 30%, maybe even more, of the equity you're never getting at. Mm. So, you know, hey, you're an engineer. Do the numbers for yourself. It's kind of up to you, but that'd be my suggestion. Okay. When I was getting my first few rentals, I found networking at a local RAI club absolutely a waste of time. Most of the people you network with, especially in random networking events, will not lead to anything. The running joke amongst sophisticated investors is that the local real estate club is the worst place for us passive investors to find peers because it's just a bunch of broke people. That's why people are seeking real estate advice to get unbroke. 
hashtag BP. For the same reason, I am turned off by the 10x Grant Cardone followers because they are really a ninja in disguise. No income, no job, no assets. In some cases, they have a scarcity mindset motivated individual willing to step over whoever they need so they are not broke anymore. For more networking tips, go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash people. Since 2016, I've given hundreds, almost thousands of free calls to my podcast listeners. And now you can chat with me, but you got to join the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. I do this to filter the right people into my circle. I'm always watching and taking notes. Tip. I give freely and generously to who, those who reciprocates and exhibits generosity. Some people are givers and other takers. I've left so much money on the table giving out free advice, contacts, and resources. This is the way I filter people who I want to work with in the future. Ultimately, I play the long game. The Mastermind Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow is a platform to find like-minded, curated, not broke people or jerks, and the best chance for a busy adult to meet lifelong friends, even when you have graduated from the program. For the price I'm offering for the networking alone, it's worth it. <clears throat> but wait! By the way, you get 27 weeks of organized content and bi-weekly semi-private coaching calls too. SimplePassiveCashflow.com backslash journey to learn more. Speed going down here. So here are the, the HELOCs you had. You know, here you had an interest rate of 2.5%. I think that's a logical fallacy that most people will say, oh, that's a great interest rate. Why would you want to trade that in for 3.5% today? Sophisticated investors don't really look at interest rate. I mean, that's only 1%. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over that. What I would lose sleep over is what if the economy turns, right? And now all these teaser HELOC rates go away and then worse, the equity has gone that you can't draw from the HELOC because this is all fine and dandy now. But if you were to lose the equity, your HELOC goes away. Where if you would have locked in a 30-year loan, you got that cash. Yeah, that's true. But if you weren't going to look live in that home for the next 10 years, I would say maybe the HELOC would be a better strategy. That's why I asked you if you're going to live in that home for a while. So what's this other condo here? Oh, my sister and I own a condo. Okay. Yeah. So Oh, it's worth about 380. Yeah. You guys owe what, only 50 grand left. Yeah, that was part of the flip deal. Yeah, so tell me about that relationship. Are you guys getting along? Oh, yeah. She, my sister and I get along really okay. well, so she trusts me. Okay. So does she invest in real estate too and do alternative investing or is she not? Mm, she's not really about. Yeah, it sounds like my family. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. Why would you keep this condo? You got renters in here? No, that, actually my sister lives in that condo. So it's all paid off. It was actually oh, okay. My, yeah. Okay. Why doesn't she get her own mortgage? Can she well, buy on her own? What do you mean? Because what I'm looking to do is just like your primary residence, drain the equity out of this thing. Oh, I see. Like I said, we're working on it. So I would say like the low hanging fruit for you is the your primary residence. And then as you need yes. more equity, this is the second, you know, you might tap into this a year from now. Yeah. I try not to touch that because that's hers in case something happens. I don't want her to be left out in the cold. So. Yeah. Here's how I would explain it to her. You go out and get a new mortgage on this. And then I think the mortgage payments, it might be what about? 
2000 bucks a month. Right. So you set aside 100 grand or 50 grand and now she can live off that for five years. I mean, surely she can get on her feet in five years, right? But in the meantime, you're turning your money more effectively. Mm. I think people, they have that false sense of security is what they need. But, yeah. but like I said, you're going to tap the primary residence for equity first. And for now, I would just start having the conversation. It's going to be slower than working with the government on this. Yeah, that's true. So just like your construction projects, I'm sure some of your environmental permits are going to take like a year or two years. This might be a little faster, but I would start the conversation now. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is I would have the property in her name, mortgage in her name, and there's a little bit of liability there too. And it's just better to get, get it out of your holding. Now, that's the reason why I asked you guys get along. Some people have got like drug addict sisters or brothers, right? Yeah, I have some friends that do, so. Yeah, yeah. so that's just another thing to keep in mind. So this is the just regular term life home. So you got some 401k money. Is that still untouched then? Yeah. So in terms of risks, like if there is a recession, I don't know what's worse, having the money in your 401k or the, or the equity in your home. I really don't know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say this would be another source of equity to start investing, just 400 $100,000. And I have this conversation with almost every other person I have a call with. People, they think this 401k is not getting taxed on. But the argument I always say is like, hey, you're going to get taxed on this 400 grand either now or later. I would rather take it out now, pay the taxes on it now, because in the future, you're going to be paying more taxes. Because number one, you're going to be making more money. Unlike how financial experts say you're going to be living on rice and beans when you're old. I want you to be living on caviar and ikura or whatever whatever. And I mean, the country's not going in the right direction. Taxes are going to go up. How else are we going to pay off all this stuff? Yeah, we might not have social security system either. Yeah. So how can you get this 401k out other than taking out loans? Yeah, so the, taking the loan is like your short-term solution. It's kind of how you're using the HELOC where you right. put out a primary residence. And you're still another like six months, 18 months from like really, really needing this cash now. Mm -hmm. I would say, I'm assuming this is with your primary source of income, your, your construction company, right? So yeah. yeah, so you're currently still working with them. What I would do is I would call your HR and ask them, can I do an in-service transaction? And there's kind of a little blurb I wrote on this on my retirement guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP. But you want to basically see if they can do that. From what I hear about informally polling my folks is that 20% of companies will allow you to do an in-service transaction and be able to get the money out of this thing. But it depends how they set up their 401k. Yeah, I tried asking about that. It seemed like they have strict rules on taking out certain amount. You might want to ask again and talk mm -hmm. to a supervisor because most times people don't have a freaking clue about this stuff and they've been told this. They need to go in the manual and look this stuff up. It's a long shot. You know, it'll only be like 20% of the time that they can. But if I were you, I know you're not going to do this. I would just quit my job and just be a full-time investor. Take all your passive losses against your active income. I mean, you've got enough net worth to make it happen. But I know you're not going to do that. <laughs> that's what I would do. And then now I can get at my 400 grand. No, that's true. That's, that's one way of getting it, the 400 grand. Yeah, because how old are you now? 61. Yeah, I know you're probably thinking, well, I just wait to the normal age. But what's the normal age? Most people who are 65, they're sick and they're broke. Right? Yeah, or they're still working. Yeah. Seems like it's getting, it's getting higher as far as the retirement age. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can like even go take a contractor role, right? And just to get at the 400 grand and take a pay cut. Who cares about your income? You get so much money sitting on the sideline. Yeah. So not doing need, anything. Yeah. You don't need to get up 
to work every day at this point. Of course, you got to get proof of concept and what you're investing in, right? But I'm just kind of telling you what's possible. And the loans are, you can do that in service transaction or just quit. <laughs> <laughs> but like the government, I mean, they need people like you. I know we kind of talked before. I mean, you actually kind of enjoy your job. It's not too stressful. So I get that. But I mean, just think about it. If you quit your job, you put this 400 grand in something like AHP. You know, I'm not saying that you would put it all in there, right? But that's 40 grand coming at you every year, you know? Yeah. Now you can go work half time and pretty much get the same thing. And I, I would call HP sort of your bronze level invest 10% a year. No depreciation on that either, just like the private money lending stuff. I would say like the Roth, the Roth IRA is your first lever here that you've already paid the taxes on. So you, all you have to do is pay the penalties on that to get that out. You can take out all the distributions. And I'm just guessing, you know, maybe 30 grand of this is what you deposited in, right? Yeah. If I were you, I would just take that out tomorrow, the 30 grand. Roth IRAs, 401ks, all don't make any sense in my opinion because mm. you're kind of stuck investing in garbage investments i know a lot of people try and sell the self-directed ira which i'm not a fan of at all i mean you can invest in private money lending stuff but those are pretty bad investments in my opinion because you don't get the deduction what about the qrp so you can you can put your 401k roll into a qrp but then again you don't get any of the deduction oh i see i think the qrp is definitely better than the self-directed ira because the self-directed ira you're going to be getting the udfi tax and all that stuff on the leverage portion and pretty much every deal out there that's hitting those nice returns are using leverage to get that mm. but hey you know a lot of people make a lot of money selling self-directed iras so that's why it's out there right just like the 1031 exchange people make money off doing it not to say it's not a bad tool but all too often that tool is sort of used for most things and it shouldn't be mm. so yeah the first thing here i would get the 30 grand of what you put in out tomorrow if you run out of cash but yeah you got a lot of slack here right i mean you've got cash all over the place i think you need deals right you need to put your money into long-term equity deals that's, that's i'm looking for yeah i mean a lot of this stuff you have the conversation with your sister about the condo but that's still a year off year yeah. or two off i would say but yeah i mean any kind of questions i mean i don't know why you're working man <laughs> <laughs> i would say the only other thing would be does your spouse work oh i'm not married yeah so maybe you can marry some kind of like real estate agent now you can get that real estate professional thing oh yeah or, I mean, but that's another reason why you should just quit your job because mm. then you can get that real estate professional status and now you can take those passive losses Right, right, right. Yeah, I have some friends that their spouse is a realtor. And in fact, my daughter's a realtor. So yeah, there you go. You got an 800 credit score, but that doesn't mean anything. You don't want to buy your own rental properties. No. Cares. I mean, no. at this point, I don't know if you like to do all that travel hacking, but you can have fun with that stuff if you're bored. You can just get all no. the credit cards you want and bomb your credit score. Yeah, I, I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> Some people find it fun, but yeah, I mean, is there any questions that are next step? Well, I was thinking of investing in, you're talking about some bonus depreciation deals and getting to those. Yeah, those, I would say syndicated deals. Yeah, I would say like come around my group. Don't talk to me. Talk to the other people in the deals and see what kind of feedback they have. Mm -hmm. From my experience in 2018, I think I must have got like a few hundred thousand dollars of passive losses. I asked like my lawyer and some of my people my inner circle is like so i'm not paying taxes right for the next few years and they're like nope negative ghost rider you're not paying any taxes i mean you're gonna pay a sum right just to you know keep the auditors off your back right but i mean it's crazy oh that's how the rich do it right yeah that's how the rich do it and they're just following the tax code just kind of going out with the outside pitch and just 
ripping it to right field. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, you got to like build up your passive investor network. Unfortunately, I haven't found too many groups locally where you have people who are even a net worth of or $500,000 or above. I mean, that's the key. You have to find people that are around your network which sounds really horrible from an economic or, I mean, just makes me sound like a jerk, but it's all part of a journey and you're trying to find people sort of at your point in the path. Yeah, I just got to keep on looking, I guess. Yeah. Find the right group. You know, one question I always ask my investors is, do you know anybody in your network currently doing private placements or syndications? And it's very polarized. Most people, they have nobody. Mm. And this is why they're kind of subjected to these private money lending deals and where you're only getting eight to 10 percent you get none of the upside you get no depreciation or the other guys who yeah they have a few people in their network doing it and they're already in a couple dozen deals it's crazy it's like the rich get richer and the poor get poor, get poor. Not, yeah but it's not in rich in terms of money it's more rich in terms of network like if i right. was here about the term your network is your network uh, which being an engineer i thought that was kind of bs but now i think when your net worth goes above five hundred thousand dollars that becomes so true you don't really need a network to get from zero to 500,000. You just got to bust your butt and go to your day job and work hard to get there. But to take that next step, there definitely is a strategy shift. Mm. Yeah. I mean, was there any other tax, legal, or infinite banking questions you had or anything under the sun? Yeah. You know, that infinite banking, isn't that kind of like you're setting up your own bank and you're lending? What is the benefits of that? Yeah. So what you're doing there is it's not really for life insurance. It's just life insurance so that you don't get taxed in the game. So it's just, oh, I see. Right. But you're able to put it in there. You make like a small return, but it's tax-free. And then you borrow from there at a rate, but it's tax deductible because it's a business expense. So there's a little bit of a delta there, but you can make it into a bank account for yourself where you just sort of store liquidity for yourself. And now it's off the table in terms of liability. It's sheltered but, litigation. But it has tax advantages because you're not really paying tax on it. Right, right. But the money's not making anything. So you got to take that money out in terms of taking a loan from yourself to then invest it. Right, right. But when you get, say you invest that money and the profits, does that get taxed or? Yeah, yeah. It, oh, it, gets it still taxed. gets taxed. It still okay. gets taxed. That might be good for your situation because you have so much slack. If tomorrow you did the right things, you, you got a loan on your primary and then that condo and then you pulled out your Roth IRA, you probably have like four to six hundred thousand dollars in liquidity. I wouldn't suggest you invest that in syndication all in the first year. I mean it took me 18 months to kind of meet the people and learn the investment. So I mm-hmm. said invest in 50 grand. I'd probably put a cap on you and say, yeah, in the next six months to a year, you can't invest more than a hundred thousand dollars. No, you're not allowed to. You're just going to do something stupid or invest with Right, right. Well, yeah, I kind of wanted to uh, feel out the syndicated deal and not go overboard and put it all in. So yeah, yeah. maybe so, start out with 50000 and then see, see how it goes. Right. So if you got like $400,000 and you're going to invest a hundred, now what are we going to do with the, the other three hundred? right? Yeah. So that's where, all right, this money is not doing anything. We might as well just start priming the pump on your infinite banking. So, you know, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Maybe you put in like 20 grand a year to start on the low side. And then it's usually like a plan where you have to sign out to do it for five or six years. Right, right. So that would sort of allocate 120 grand over the next five years of that liquidity. And, you know, what's nice about it, you can layer another policy on top of it and increase it as you kind of get the hang of it. 
Because what will likely happen is you'll put in 20 and then you might backdate it six months so you can put another 20 all in a couple of days. So you're up to 40 grand. And then next year you put another 20 and you kind of use it, right? You're using it for liquidity events. And you're like, oh, I like this. So I might layer another $10,000 policy on top of that. What's the normal percentage that comes out of your investment for, for the insurance portion? So it's a step down thing. So in the beginning, you're typically doing maybe 30, 35% in terms of fees. By the time year three comes around, it goes down to maybe about 10%. And oh, by the I see. End, so the more, the more you put in the... No, 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 no. It's not the oh. more you put in. It's just like on the timeline. Because you know, it's usually five or six years is how much you have to commit to putting incremental payments in. So the if you think about it, like if you think about it in terms of a graph, like it's a step down thing. It like goes down as time. The, the fee percentage. So in the beginning, it's 35 30 percent of what you put in and then it steps down to 10 percent of what you put in year three and then by the oh i see i see okay yeah and i think like you know based on your age that 35 percent should be pretty much the ballpark that's kind of like the surrender uh, years the longer you participate then the amount of return is is more right right and for your situation where your net worth is and based and how much slack you have it might be a good idea to just do something where you're like 25 grand a year mm. and you just get that rolling you probably could go up to 50 grand a year if you wanted to so for the guy listening on this on the YouTube channel or on the podcast like if you got under 50 $500,000, this is not for you, right? This is more for people with higher net worth because of that 35, 30% of the fees go away to the life insurance. Right. It's a great way to make fees for these guys. For those people, you need every dollar to go to a down payment for a rental property. You just can't afford that. I mean, you got to deploy all the troops to go make money for you. You can't kind of batten down the hatches like how you're doing here. The way I do it is I would recommend the like the logic I would use is all right, you're gonna you're gonna create some kind of a deployment schedule in the next one to five years, right? So maybe this next six months you just don't do any. But six months to eighteen months you're going to deploy a hundred grand in a couple of deals. And then after that you're gonna go in a deal every six months or something like that just to be conservative all right and then you know you kind of put that on a spreadsheet on a timeline one year one two three four five and then you also overlay on top of that hey 25 grand is going to go out this year for my life insurance and 25 mm-hmm. going to go out next year for life insurance and then just kind of play around your liquidity and make a plan that way as much as i joke around that you know you probably should quit your job i know you're not going to do that you're not going to see the feedback for another couple of years yeah know? that's what that's what i wanted to do is see how it works out and then if it does then yeah maybe i will quit my job but you're gonna have to see for it yourself i mean not right. all the deals go well but hey you got the, the depreciation and nothing is guaranteed investment so yeah, but you go in at least going into the deal where it's cash flowing day one ain't a bad way of doing it. In my own yeah, yeah, can't be that. Was there anything else you wanted to chat about? No, I- you're in good shape here. I mean, I maybe we check in in a couple of years. I'm sure you'll be starting to think about when that retirement day when you're going to pull the pin. Yeah, hopefully sooner than later. But I think that's the main thing mindset wise. I mean, I'm just looking at this numbers here. And if it were me, I'd deploy 200 grand of it in the next six to 12 months. And I'm pretty sure you could retire on that. 
but let's go with a real life conservative plan of attack here. And I, I'm thinking maybe in the next couple of years, you're going to start to see these deals that you go into start to pan out, get stabilized, the cash flow, and then start to figure out when, when the last day is. And then you know, I would say in the next year, you're going you're gonna to start to see a little signs of this. And maybe you can even start a like, what am I going to do after I like retire? You know, let's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You gotta pick up a hobby or something. Yeah, maybe flip some houses or something. Yeah, there you go. Just for fun. Huh? Yeah, just for fun, right? But <laughs> you probably won't want to do that. That's a job. Yeah, that's a more competitive job. Oh, that's why I was got funny. I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing the deals because. Yeah, these guys are just tearing each other apart. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. You gotta it's a lot of communication with your contractor, your realtor, your yeah your investors. I love, I love these house flippers. They pay all my taxes for the state. And the, yep. the federal for me. Yeah, they do. God bless them. <laughs> yeah. God bless America. <laughs> there you go. All right, Lee. Talk to you next okay, time. Great. Okay. Thanks, Lee. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.